0: monday evening edition of the pod danny gonna join me here in a second we got some news to talk about including the fascinating conclusion to the clint capella saga and then we got to regrade our west offseason from last year a lot of interesting ones there to get to as well golden state houston so some big transactions a paul george trade a lot of guys drafted pretty high in the lottery the lakers getting lebron so we got a lot to look at here but why don't we start danny with that capella news what is the deal
1: so it was originally reported at five years 90 million it has subsequently been reported that 10 million of that is incentives but a majority of those incentives are likely so i'm treating it as pretty close to that five-year 90 million dollar figure if you want to get persnickety about it you could go 586 or something like that and it depends on whether the rockets make the western conference finals Uh, tim bontemps had the exact incentives in there some of it is about Quinn capella's free throw percentage his defensive rebounds which More he's put in wrinkles like that in other contracts before. And so really, I think what the story of this contract is for both sides, really, is risk aversion. So for the Rockets, they were able to get out of the risk that Clint Capella is not the player that we thought he was last year. They paid him and so he didn't he's not going to be an unrestricted free agent next year. And for Capella, he doesn't have to deal with the uncertainty and the financial risk that comes with going on a qualifying offer for one year and then hitting the open market
0: yeah i think it's more interesting from capella's standpoint obviously the rockets taking advantage of this market taking advantage of the fact that the dallas mavericks who really were the only potential suitor for capella once the suns drafted deandre ayton went in the direction of a one-year deal for deandre jordan instead and the Rockets, we were somewhat critical of them of being almost unrealistically low, but apparently they knew what they were doing because they got him for what is an absolute steal. If he can play at the level that he played at last year, not to mention if he could improve a little bit. He's not like a crazy skill guy. You know, he's a player very reliant on athleticism, although that may discount his finishing ability around the basket, but that's not something that typically gets better. But uh as you get much older, but this five, especially the fact that it's five years, Danny, you know, I mean, that's really even more more so than the fact that it starts at such a low annual pay. I mean, he, Capella, if they do the maximum 8% raises and he gets the full $90 million, um, notwithstanding the incentives, it's going to start at $15.5 million this year. and It'll be making twenty in the fifth year of that deal when i think it'll be his age 28 season so uh, considering that this guy is clearly a top 10 center his ability to switch was so key to their scheme protects the rim well great rebounder uh, one of the best finishers around the rim in basketball Uh, I, i think this is just an absolute steal for the rockets and for capella you'd say well why would he do that right i mean what's the math on where he would have been if he had just taken the qualifying offer as opposed to this deal
1: if we run through the basic numbers his qualifying offer was 4.7 million so rounding that up to five he would have needed a four-year 85 million dollar deal to break even theoretically with this offer that is about 30 million less than his max on a four-year deal with a new team would have been you know obviously the rockets could pay more they even could have given him that fifth year again because they would have had full bird rights and so so he basically he needed to get to 85 to break even could have gotten 117 and it's and so i think some people are like oh capella took too little money my frustration with this isn't really with capella because risk mitigation and all that kind of stuff at he could have gotten him um not even a max offer sheet a max offer sheet would have been about four years 110 million he basically got the same amount of guaranteed money as zach levine and once you get down to that price even if he's not your number one fit teams could have just rolled the dice on a, a lucrative offer i mean i understand why dallas didn't do it That's this is the pragmatism versus realism argument you know like yeah it would be great if you could tell deandre jordan to wait a week and a half and to end away but that's not the way any of this works but sacramento you know just as a value proposition if you can get him for 20 million a year and maybe you make the Rockets, uh, how about atlanta more, but you go about atlanta yeah.
0: yeah i mean that's that's one he where now i think there was that always an assumption because atlanta you know they could have made this offer on july 6th and Uh, then still had plenty of time to do all the rest of the stuff that they did afterwards. And they could have really used Capella. Now, certainly there was a chilling effect because there was a feeling that, oh, like, Houston is going to match. He's a guy who could even, like, I mean, he absolutely, Capella would have gotten max offer sheets in in other markets, right? So uh, maybe those teams reached out to capella's representation and they weren't interested and then you know things really dried up and the rockets turned the screws and, and his representation decided hey you know what like we haven't made any money in our career you know you're basically around one or two million a year as the 25th pick and yeah we have a hundred percent chance to, at getting 80 million and you know pretty damn good chance of getting 90 million so do we want to take the four point 4.7 million wait until next year and take the injury risk uh, on ourselves you know i mean and it was probably this was probably right on the borderline for me but i i would say does is there really that much of a difference in your life between 80 to 90 million and 120 million you know I, i mean i think a lot of players really measure themselves by how much they're getting paid and that's it's important to them in that respect but like you know Thirty years from now, hard to say your lifestyle is going to be appreciably different if you got eighty million over the course of your career versus a hundred million. Obviously, there's taxes involved too there, but that that in some ways reduces the difference even more.
1: And he's not the president of the MBPA, so the precedent doesn't matter as much. That's more of a Chris Paul concern. And you know, C- Capella did well by him. And this this is the the negotiation tactic that is is really challenging from a human perspective from from Houston in this case, where you want to make an offer that they have to seriously consider and hope that they but also not one that they find so offensive that even though you could make an argument it's a reasonable offer they're turned off by it and so you have to know the player personally know their crew kind of how like crew meaning agent like how they're how they approach this sort of thing is it a david falk you know like that that whole approach or something else Mm. and i think that that looks like houston handled this well but getting capella at a bargain of a price relative to his production level last season and our expectations for him moving forward this is still a very very expensive team over the next couple of years
0: i would just say it's expensive i don't know about very expensive when you come can...
1: yeah they're not the thunder that's fair well
0: they're not the thunder they're not the Cavs. they're not the warriors at this point right i mean as of now and they got to round out their roster they'll probably get some buyout guys it's right they haven't used any of the mini mid-level so far either they've got carmelo on now they're going to add d'anthony
1: well oh, technically they're using part of the mini mid-level for hartenstein and then for oh Milton, thank you. I would assume. yeah yeah if they're so, going to go longer because though because to give those guys more than two years they have to dip into things yeah
0: that's that that is an important thing to note there but so they're basically are at their 14 guys that's probably all they're going to carry now with melton and hardenstein and then carmelo coming into the fold as well that he actually just got waived we'll get to that in a second so while you can make the argument hey you know they should have retained a Mute, they had full bird rights on Arisa, this is really an incredibly cheap team it is so much cheaper than anyone could have thought it would be to be competing at this level they could make their team better there may be other of the things they could do in terms of taking on money later this year that you know maybe there's someone else out there that expires in 2020 that they could flip ryan anderson for if they wanted to throw in an asset especially once we get towards the trade deadline they'll be buyout guys in the market that might use more of the minimum level but while i again i am critical of them i think they've downgraded quite a bit especially defensively with the the trade of Melo for Risa, You know, I think James Ennis can hopefully give them more offense, but maybe less defense than Mbamute did. This is saving a lot of money. We'll see whether that actually gets back into the team or not. But if you had told me before the season, hey, you know what, they're only going to be... Probably when it's all said and done, 15 million over the tax line. That's like a, a huge win for at least Till and his pocketbooks, if nothing else. And it all really came from the fact that they were able to squeeze Capella this wallet. And I i was critical of them. They moved up just a little bit. Maybe it was the incentives that got to the deal done. I had a question for you Do you think that the saga of Nerland's Noel? has had an influence on Yusuf Nurkic and Clint Capello's negotiations?
1: Maybe a little bit. I mean, Alex Len also didn't benefit from, you know, taking the qualifying offer and... I think we have a, a pretty clear idea now of how disposable centers are, and so while both of those players can believe that they are above that threshold, it doesn't take a lot to fall below it, especially when you consider health. You, as you're a talking major. about Capella as well. Well, I mean, just just the idea that, as you were talking about it, with the marginal difference between 90 million and 110, certainly that is twenty million dollars. Nobody is arguing that. But if if you're going to argue that there is this downside thing, that who knows? Maybe you're. Maybe you. It's not that he becomes a bad player or anything like that but he just falls into like below league average or something like that if he just has a shakier year maybe he gets hurt for a little bit and the rockets look good with another center in place i don't think that would have happened but there is certainly a non-zero chance of it happening and if there's a non-zero chance then that lowers his market value but he is certainly miles better than those guys
0: yeah i mean i I think he he's different because number one his finishing is at such an elite level but number two the ability to switch the the way he does it and still protect the rim and rebound is offensive rebounding so i mean there's a lot of things i think like what separates him from nurkic is he can play how if you have him your team can play completely differently than you can if you have use of nurkic at center, right like he's got to just play as a traditional center, and he's got to drop back in the pick and roll he's going to get carved up by anthony davis and Nikola Mirotic in the playoffs you know i mean that's that's the kind of guy i think of as disposable um and, and last thing here too capella's max on a five-year deal uh, the minnesota Timberwolves rolls are well aware of this would have been uh Five years and 147 million. And so to get capella for basically two-thirds of that is outstanding work by the rockets front office uh when i mean i think we really were feeling like during the playoffs that at least in terms of his talent capella was a max type of player and, and you know certainly a top 10 center in the league and to get a, a guy like that for an average annual value of 18 million which with the cap going up is you know that's just maybe slightly better than average starter money pretty damn good he's making less per season than ryan anderson if you need another data. Point.
1: Yeah, and and we will get more data points in this. I, I think this is one of those contracts that is going to look substantially better once next offseason happens, and we're going to see some of those other guys now that the league is about to be flush again. And that you know, we'll we'll talk about this in bigger when we get into off because we're doing regrades today when we get into grades for this offseason But I think that I have a feeling on how this is going.
0: Well, to go. one more thing. On, one do you more thing want to start? This. Go ahead. What do you think the chances are? You know, you could throw an in injury, you could throw in performance, you could throw in just teams not necessarily needing. Sense. whatever what do you think the chances are that he would have gotten a big enough contract to make it worth his while next season right so so he's getting the 4.7 million this year his total so he would have needed to get at least four for 85 to be whole to break but you know he's really got to get more than that right because you would obviously rather have a certainty of five for 90 now versus a possibility so you really you know you probably would have to maybe get like Twenty million more guaranteed next summer so we're
1: yeah like i was thinking like 100 million four for 100 or something like that
0: yeah i mean i think if he just played exactly the way he played last year you know no no injuries that would affect him going forward and he has not been injured really at all in his career it's very difficult for me to think that someone wouldn't have offered him that type of contract including perhaps the rockets um who would have had his full bird rights but you know there is the injury risk there is the risk that just you know he doesn't play as well he's had you know, a pretty good season two years ago and then one really good season this year. So, yeah. You
1: know. Do you want a data point on that? Because I, w- I was just working on what I call the space race. It'll come out at some point for the athletic. As of right now, there are 13 teams that I have projected to have 25 million or more in space. for How many bracket. of those
0: teams would need a center? Da- Dallas, presumably if DeAndre doesn't come back. Let me look at it.
1: The Clippers, maybe. Yeah, Clippers. We don't know what's going on. We don't know what's going on with the Knicks. We don't know what's going on with the Pels. Sacks not not exactly the best destinations that is that is definitely true
0: yeah uh
1: and and of course the rockets i think that's the most likely thing that would have happened is he would have leveraged one of those teams into getting a little bit more money from the rockets but yeah i would say the chances of that were reasonably reasonably high like maybe maybe even above 50 percent like uh but 100 million i would say that's below 50 percent but not too much maybe even the 40 yeah. to 50 percent but, but
0: but what we just but went through
1: that's that's not enough that's not enough like that's too much risk to, for me to yeah, take yeah right i mean
0: what is that that's three or four teams that you're looking at that would have that yeah uh, I mean, and
1: yeah and i mean there and there are other ones that could clear. like especially like if chicago is happy with wendell carter like this group could thin out pretty quickly
0: sure and and those are less desirable destinations than houston you know at least for these next couple of years you're going to be right in contention so i i think you know the more we think about this and especially i'm much more conservative from the player side of like hey you know if you have this amount of money now might i have tried to just take it all the way up to the deadline in october 1st and try and squeeze the rockets for a couple more million yeah i i might have tried to do that you know maybe i wouldn't have settled for this right now but you know would i have eventually had to take you know 90 million or so whatever the offer is uh yeah you know i think i probably would have done that for some of the reasons that we're talking about here so i, I think it is it was good that we went through that last part of the exercise because yeah i mean they're really you know and, and in, as an agent obviously you can kind of ask around at least somewhat informally and maybe you realize hey you know what? while he's in theory worth this there's just not that many teams that are trying to win now that really need a, a center you know brooklyn is one that might have space but they'll be going after veteran free agents they have jared allen are they are they going to really say hey you know what we can yeah we might want capella but you know jared allen is kind of a capella light and we've got him for three million a year so maybe we'll spend our, our, our money somewhere else you know I, mean, I think there's a lot of teams that go through yeah
1: that. and you need to be to feel comfortable about it i think you need to be first or second on a team's yeah, list because yeah once you start working down there i mean it doesn't take much and there are players they could trade for you know you could trade for somebody or or somebody breaks out you have a whole year also for all of those teams to reevaluate to acquire other players and everything else so yeah i, I think that's a good point
0: all right well i am back from uh i actually had two bachelor party weekends uh because we uh, had a free place to stay and so there were about 20 people that i wanted to invite and i was like all right it'd probably would be easier to just do it in in two weekends i've actually for once in my life have a little time off so uh, now i am back though and right after we're done gonna make a little blue apron here fire up the grill and make some cheeseburgers with spicy slaw if you don't know what blue apron is they take pre-portioned ingredients and deliver them right to your door in concert with quick and easy chef design recipes the menu changes every week based on what's in season. It shows up at, at your door. We normally do two recipes a, a week when we're actually home and, and have time to cook. And we'll do the four-person, and then we've got some leftovers for the, the next day. Check out this week's menu and get your first three meals free at blueapron.com slash capspace. Remember, we talk about capspace all the time that on the program. That's blueapron.com slash capspace to get your first three meals free blue apron a better way to cook we should probably also briefly mention that weird uh guarantee on michael carter williams just just because houston is always kind of doing creative stuff and this might be a little bit of a trend i mean it's not that big of a deal on its own but we might see more of this
1: sure so michael carter williams he's making a one year at the minimum so that means part of it is subsidized by the league so it'll cost the rockets 1.5 million overall he'll make 1.8 but that contract is only partially guaranteed for 1.2 million until the league-wide cutdown date data in january and so the way that works is it's just a little bit of protection for the rockets in case it doesn't work out and when even though the rockets are not as far over the luxury tax as we expected anything can help there and that also makes his contract more palatable theoretically if instead of cutting him they wanted to offload it to somebody else that's less money for them for that other team to have to take off
0: yeah and you could just trade him to somewhere he's on a minimum contract so any team could take him in and now if it's only 1.2 million guaranteed you're halfway through the league year essentially January 10th so now you only have to throw in you know 400,000 bucks uh, to pay the rest of his salary maybe some slight uh, additional consideration and you can either get someone back or you just get a little bit of j- get out of jail free for a team that's in the tax in particular that's a, a nice little bit of maneuvering it and i think this will explain why it was that carter williams agreed so early because he was willing to take this kind of deal that had some risk mitigation in it which when you're a tax team and you're giving out any kind of guaranteed money for a player who doesn't have any long-term potential probably in, in carter williams and may or may not contribute to your team uh, that they probably offered that deal to a number of players, and Carter Williams, uh, kind of uh, on the fringes of the league at this point after last year, uh, jumped on it.
1: Something I wanted to mention that I I hope this is a greater thing. I'm going to write about this at some point. Is teams that expect to be active on the buyout market deliberately putting a little bit more flexibility into that? That could be not putting 15 guys on the roster at the beginning of the year, using two way contracts or even non guarantees just to keep the price down a little bit because having to cut guaranteed players to make it work. Assuming you're going to get one, maybe even two players out on the buyout market. And this year, we were going to have so many expiring contracts, we could even see more than that. It's smart to put in a little bit more flexibility if you can expect that your team is going to get there. It's actually a reason I was critical of what the Lakers ended up doing. I talked about that a little bit with Bonteps on the last real GM radio or the one before the last one about the Lakers using all 15 because they would theoretically be a good buyout place.
0: Yeah. But without being in the tax, you know, if they want to just cut someone they sure. they can but yeah i mean they've used up resources obviously with the, the room exception let's do a couple of quick hitters here ryan Archidiacino, who was on a two-way last year with the bulls played very very little in fact had a memorable stint in which he was like you know negative 20 in a five five minutes in the first game of the year against toronto uh, i'm not sure that he played much more he might have not even played at all other than that, at least till late in the year uh, when they're really into tank mode but one year partially guaranteed deal do we know how much that's guaranteed it, it better not be for much
1: i haven't heard yet but i'm i'm guessing not much but it's the bull so you never know yeah
0: but he's and, and he's not on the the two-way anymore they can n- now use that slot somewhere else uh Devin harris has returned to dallas he is didn't we talk about that last time i thought we did didn't you say it like, was
1: breaking news oh, okay. but it was yeah it was it was like right at the end and we didn't know for sure that it was at the veterans minimum so it looks like he's taking the yogi ferrell spot our friend Tim BonTEMPS had a piece that came out today on monday for the washington post talking about how jerry colander his time in Philadelphia is over. They're honoring his contract through the end of the year, but he is not involved there. Of course, there was the acrimony related to the departure of his son Brian and that whole saga. So, a pretty tumultuous tenure for Colangelo started with the the team in 2015, and that tenure is now functionally over. Financially, it'll still last a little longer.
0: He and Colangelo refused to comment uh, on the Twitter saga, other than saying that it was a difficult time for Brian and his family and that he threatened to uh tarnish the Sixers oh actually no sorry he didn't say that uh that that uh was reported at the time however uh Pat Connaughton will join the Milwaukee Bucks he is getting slightly more than the minimum they had a small amount of their non-taxpayer mid-level remaining about 1.6 million of that so that is a little bit more than the minimum salary that affects it trying to trade him a, a little bit but not too much it's still pretty small and i think there's a good get for the bucks
1: it is and Conaton, you know capable player you think about this in the context of portland that basically they got nick stauskas for similar money i believe pat Conton is a substantially superior player and the bucks also got a non-guarantee well they we don't know if it's a non-guarantee or exactly what it is on that second year but it seems like they're going to have at least some flexibility there and another point i want to bring up just because people ask about this a lot the cost to the bucks is also not as big. With this, because since they were going to offer a two-year contract anyway, they weren't getting any part of that subsidized by the league, so it it doesn't really matter bumping it up a little bit. Isn't it isn't even the same cost? That was an issue with like a mecca Okafor's contract. Theoretically, adding that second year actually made it a lot more expensive for the uh New Orleans Pelicans last year.
0: Yeah, and Connaughton gives the Bucks uh, so much needed shooting. uh, Although with so they've got that uh, as well. Connaughton doesn't really fit in well with the idea again of having a more versatile lineup, a, a more switchable lineup but seems like he'll he should be an upgrade on jason terry in that backup shooting guard role from last season let's move to the clippers now danny
1: they made the first steps towards alleviating their eventual roster crunch it doesn't have to be right away by waving cj williams they now have 16 guaranteed contracts but that 17th is patrick beverly who is not guaranteed but is functionally guaranteed they the only way he would not be on the team is if they traded him you know they're not going to cut him for any reason and the other piece of the Clippers news. This does not relate to the roster crunch at all. I just enjoy trades involving two way players. They traded for uh, Jonathan first Motley, first two way trade. Who was a, ever
0: traded right? Maybe I'm not I, sure. I think I read that. Yeah, but I, I and, and oh, I okay. can't think so, of another one before him either.
1: I can't think of another one either off the top of my head. But so Motley signed a two year two way contract. So that meant that they that the Mavericks could trade him. He does play the same position as Angel Delgado, the other Clippers two way guy. But it's you know you you make it work with whatever you want to do. So they still have a, a crunch to deal with. I'm. Very interested in how the how the front office resolves this because basically everybody else is on guaranteed contracts. Do they cut established players who just weren't going to be in the rotation? Do they try to move, let's say, somebody like Sam Decker, maybe another team, kind of like the Jarrell Martin thing. If Orlando keeps him, they would just rather have, you know, take a flyer on him. I think there are teams that would be that that flyer on Sam Decker would be worth it. They have limited flexibility. Incidentally, Orlando would be one of those, maybe, off the top of my head. But so yeah, I'm I'm interested in how the Clippers resolve it. But they do not have to do this right away. They can wait until right before the season if they want to
0: yeah and an interesting juxtaposition between williams and ty wallace both of whom played very well on two-way contracts last year wallace was not interested in signing a contract the way williams did which has some pretty ugly guarantees only 125k guaranteed the first day of the season and uh, doesn't fully guarantee until the cutdown day and then he's got another non-guaranteed year on after that williams that you would think he would get claimed i thought he provided adequate wing play he was actually starting for the clippers for a time hitting some three-pointers and playing some adequate defense uh and then by contrast ty wallace who uh, another guy who we wonder like where the hell are his offer sheets especially with the clippers not having any kind of room right now on their roster you'd think that he would be gettable with a a relatively small offer we'll see who ends up in the better situation here i mean maybe it's possible that cj williams ends up getting claimed and and spends the whole season with the team but if he does that he'll likely have outperformed that non-guaranteed minimum contract and ty wallace you know he's still uh, unsigned as of now and that qualifying offer is only a, a two-way contract for him with fifty thousand dollars guaranteed which is you know he's not going to sign that uh, presumably after playing well in the nba last year so uh, now williams has been released i think there are tons of teams that could use him it'd be interesting to see whether he gets I mean, he played well then he had a severe ankle sprain and and ended up missing a bunch of time and never really got back in the rotation towards the end so maybe was out of sight out of mind but i I still don't understand why neither of those guys has been able to get any kind of a deal uh and i I think williams is going through the waiver process as we record this we'll see where he ends up and i also i'll say this too for the Glippers especially since you just drafted two point guard kind of combo guard players that why don't you just wave juan evans and, and hold on to cj williams instead i mean there's if anybody knows that you need as much depth on the wing as possible it's the clippers i mean juan evans didn't really show much and yeah i know he's guaranteed uh maybe they could have just traded him and paid his salary or there's another team that'd be interested in him. perhaps it was just simply the optics of giving up on someone that they drafted uh, I can't remember that he was 39 or 40. I think he was drafted before Thornwell, I want to say. But, uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was a little I think he weird. was 38. Oh, yeah, it was 38 and 39 that they had last year. Yeah, but... All right. Um what else we got here?
1: Uh another one that I don't think this is necessarily a big deal, but I want to mention it. Sean Strani originally had it that Jimmy Butler ele- had elective minor surgery on his shooting hand. And it's not it's not gonna miss he's not gonna miss time. I just thought it was is interesting. He's not participating in the team USA stuff. There isn't really much in terms of like there aren't any team USA games. They are doing a camp right now in Vegas, but that that is entirely different. So we can mention it and move on unless it becomes something later on, which I sincerely doubt. The Celtics made a couple of different smaller moves they signed jabari bird two years three million so that looks like a two-year minimum contract he was on a two-way last year and they waived rodney purvis so don't you mean yeah <laughs> I, I mean, I I think tech. Yeah, I guess he has the Riddell Award right now.
0: Yeah, of who, who's just been, been moved around the most uh, as a non-guaranteed. Yeah, guy. I mean,
1: I think he, Dakari Johnson, and and Timofey Mozgov are all on two trades so far this off season. So we'll see if any any one of them. But Purvis is not going to get a third because he is getting waived by the Boston Celtics. He has been. I don't know if that's Duck Duck Goose or whatever it is. He's he's at this point he's getting waived. So Boston's roster is pretty close to set. There, I think I have them about three million over the tax line. I. I would expect if there's a reasonable way for them to do it, for them to get under, not so much because ownership wants to duck it, but because they have the possibility of starting the repeater clock one year later is pretty significant for the Celtics team because not only are their current players getting expensive, but Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Terry Rozier, whoever of that group they retain is going to get substantially more expensive as well so if they can take us take a slight downtick in terms of a player and and duck it for this year they absolutely should
0: in atlanta the carmelo anthony buyout is over and carmelo actually giving back he will not be double dipping at all he's giving back 2.4 million of his 27.9 million dollar salary as we've been talking about he'll only count as 1.5 million the two-year veterans minimum with the rockets and again the reason that rule exists is that on one year veteran minimums contract contracts they don't want teams prioritizing younger players over veterans because they're cheaper so that's why the league just it's set up so that the league will just pay anything over the two years veterans minimum uh, but that means that the Hawks uh, get a little bit of cap space back. We'll see what they do with it. They have not signed Alex Len yet to that room exception, which would eat up that cap space. And they have a couple of smaller contracts, I think, out there as well that they haven't signed yet. So uh, they'll have a little bit of room to work with now.
1: They could take on Dakari Johnson, <laughs> make him the new Uh,
0: And then they also signed Daniel Hamilton to a one-year guaranteed deal. Hamilton was on a two-way contract with Oklahoma City last season, presumably he did not receive a qualifying offer from oklahoma city or they would have had a chance to, to match that uh I, I was not following the two-way play player qualifying offers that closely but uh hamilton played well in the g league last year probably a, a better use uh, of a roster slot than say antonius cleveland who as we mentioned struggled a little bit in summer league and is now a chicago bull is that do it here should we get to our uh revised west offseason grades here
1: yeah let's do it so the big Elements of it last year for Dallas. They drafted Dennis Smith. They signed Maxi Kleba and then they retained Dirk Nowitzki and Nerlens Noel. We just talked about Nerlens actually in the other part. They lost AJ Hammonds, which is a good thing for them. And then a bunch of other guys that weren't really a key part of the rotation, Brusino, Wiggins, that type of thing. So at the time, I gave them an A minus. They drafted exactly who I wanted. They got Dirk on a reasonable contract, which ended up working out, you know, reasonably well for them. But my criticism at the time was that they, well, so I what i noted was that the decision to focus on using their money in 2018 versus 2017 that i wrote then that might bite them a little bit because there were some good contracts and i singled out John Simmons in this that were available that might not have been available in 2018 it turned out 2018 was a better market but it is kind of true that money that Dallas if Dallas had spent a little bit more last season they could have made their team better and which would have been a disaster it wasn't really as <laughs> yeah in a, in a certain they way got it would have been a disaster. I mean <laughs> that's true but they also but they ended up not needing, you know, not needing to squeeze every single dollar out of 2018. They're kind of figuring all this stuff out with the room exception and everything right now. So, you know, Hammonds for McRoberts in particular, you know, like, yeah, they they got they got a second round pick out of that. They got out of H.A. Yeah. H. Hammonds minimum contract. They, for they the got upcoming five million dollars
0: in cash too
1: they did get 5 million cash and but McRoberts only liked six minutes for them so you know it, i i lowered my grade to a to a b plus partially because they just wasn't as much of a benefit but i will mention also that maxi Klebo was way better than i thought he would be so that's certainly a positive but i would say dennis smith not that he had a bad year but he was a little bit below my expectations so dropping it from an a minus to a b plus not big deal
0: yeah i it's interesting that you saw it that way i had also given them an a minus I actually moved them up to an a i, I thought dennis smith was right about where I, I expected him to be clearly down of a minute. Mitchell would have been a better selection there but I mean that Smith was really at the end of uh, what was widely perceived as a a tier so no one was talking about them taking Donovan Mitchell over Dennis Smith they got Dirk to come back uh, on a pretty cheap deal uh, five million uh with that team option and then one thing you didn't mention was they did not give a big deal to New Noel he ended up signing the qualifying they
1: didn't end up giving him one yeah they offered it
0: yeah well okay but but then i mean at the time at the time he was just sitting out there and i think we all assumed although actually you know what i forget exactly when it was that it came out that he was going to just sign the qualifying offer. it was a little bit earlier than the deadline but i think when we were doing our grades we didn't know that yet we assumed that it would probably they'd end up at some kind of a long-term deal after they traded for him and so uh avoiding that long-term deal not caving in to rich paul was a great idea and left a bunch of cap space open then they're able to get deandre jordan i think he just getting him on a one-year deal despite the fact we think he's a little overrated is certainly a better use of cap space than whoever they would have signed to a big deal including noel last summer they were bad enough that they're able to they had to throw in their 2019 pick but they're able to get donchich who we I think we both thought was the best player in this draft. And so that now they've got a pretty nice nucleus going forward. So I actually moved them up from an a- to an a because there's really nothing that they did that even in hindsight i, I would have done differently that they realistically could have done outside of you know taking mitchell over smith which probably was not realistic as of that time
1: anything else on them or do you want to move on to the denver nuggets
0: so so just to be clear you the reason you downgraded them from an a minus to a b plus was because you just felt like smith didn't turn out as well
1: well i think they could they, they missed something in the opportunity to get to get players on value contracts just because they waited out that market longer than other teams did they had cap space and well, i think so, so would that have been have a one year contract no they could have given if they gave john simmons five million you know like like the contract orlando gave him they wouldn't have sacrificed anything in terms of 2018-19 they would have been completely yeah fine.
0: although then, we didn't know that at the time right they might have needed more money to pay deandre jordan yeah but, but if
1: it's a value contract like yeah. i think that i think the magic could have traded simmons if that's the money they needed to clear then they could have done so and so for me it's just you know it was it was something they had that was of some value and i think they could have done more with it and so it's it's not a bi- it's not a big distinction and you could make an argument that with kleba being better that that maybe i should bump it back up to name minus but i still think a b plus is the grade just in terms of use of resources that they had this resource later on in the process yeah i
0: mean i guess they I were like they 13 million under the cap even at the end of the yeah. year and they, and they had even at yeah, the end of the year and they held yeah, on they, to they, that and didn't be- end up actually doing anything with it so yeah i mean but Correct. but i mean signing someone who would have helped them win games kind of would have been a problem <laughs> uh so I, I mean i think it, I, I understand what you're saying but i also think that wouldn't have necessarily been the plan but I mean, you know you could make the argument Yeah, but,
1: but, but see the problem is the pro i understand what you're getting with that but they weren't trying to lose games last year like they wanted like if they, they could have made the like if they had been even luck in close games they would have been far enough out of that pick so it's kind of like it, it's results over process to me to say oh well they lost a bunch of games because a it wasn't their intention and b they played like a better team than they were
0: well so uh, to clarify, they weren't trying to lose games until you know the last two months of the season because uh, uh, yes. forty-eight minutes in the box score for Aaron Harrison against the Suns in the last night of the season would uh, would argue with the idea sure. that they weren't trying <laughs> to lose games. Uh, all right, yes, that,
1: I'm, I'm talking about what actually. Yeah,
0: I, I mean that, that's a lot of them. Obviously, I thought it was, uh, but I thought that was interesting that we both kind of felt the same way about a lot of stuff. But you uh, downgrade them a little bit, and I upgraded them a little bit. Um, but let's move to the Nuggets.
1: Okay, so so the Nuggets. This is a really interesting one, because like a few we've talked about in the East, the regrade includes information that was not included the last time. So the big move that they made was signing Paul Millsap, which they were able to do with cap space. And then the other big move, which we talked about at the time, was they moved the number 13 pick to get a later pick and get Trey Lyles, who had a good season for them. But that number 13 pick ended up being Donovan Mitchell. But the other thing, and they let Gallinari go. But then the other element that we didn't know at that point was the mason plumley contract and the mason plumley contract is it's not a disaster because it's it's you know it's a negative value contract but it's not bad but the cost of it to this franchise because of what they had to give up in the offseason to get under the luxury tax what they chose to give up to get under the luxury tax all that kind of stuff it was that Such community- shitty
0: planning. It was just. I mean, we talked about this.
1: Well, and the, and it was and was a terrible use of leverage. Like yeah. we we were. It, it was one of those circumstances which happened every single year. We we're like, oh well, there aren't any teams left for for Mason Plumlee. He's probably going to take the qualifying qualifying offer. And nope, they give him three years at like more than double the amount of the qualifying yeah. offer. The I mean, qualifying offer offered... would have
0: been great for for them, and and you know maybe you would have been mad or whatever. But I mean, but it was all just sunk costs. It's like, oh, we already played it, traded Nurkic and a first for this guy. Well, okay, once you had him in your system, was he really that good? I mean, it, it was oh man all right we, we had a and long we knew more
1: about, about how good and, and we knew and we knew how much how good Jokic was as well so like if this wasn't a circumstance right. they did end up Malone played them together a little bit but there wasn't this pressing need of hey if he's not if he's you know we need an answer here if we lose him we can't get anything to replace it it wasn't circumstances like that so I gave them an a minus on originally on the premise that they did the big stuff right I mean Millsap getting that team option on the third year is phenomenal just because that took out you know a lot of the risks there with Millsap up they did pay him a bunch of money but I mean not not an unreasonable contract in terms of annual salary by any means and they were able to get out a lot of risk I still do really like that and I also hated the Tyler Leiden pick you know after especially he had lost but, year well not only that
0: but so I moved but, them but the fact that they they moved down in theory they wanted to get OG Anubi and then miscalculated by moving down too far and not and being have, able and, to get him.
1: and not and they couldn't move back up to get him right. either. well they didn't move back up maybe they could have in terms of I don't know who, who different teams are valuing in that range and everything else like that so I moved them from an a minus to a C they were a really challenging team for me because the big thing with MILSAP, they still did get right it ended up being that they missed the playoffs and Millsap missed a bunch time so they didn't get as much value in the first year of that contract but the structure of it he's still a really good player it was an unforeseeable injury with dealing a, a risk thing it wasn't related to anything really so i mean i think they're going to be haunted by the donovan mitchell trade I, I, I just think they are so that you're kind of balancing those two things of getting a good player without sacrificing anything but then an awful contract that ended up hurting them and a trade which which will hurt them for years
0: yeah so i'd given them a b plus initially you had given them a, an a minus i'm now moving that down to a c i thought you know Millsap. while they did a good job getting him on the contract that they did i i didn't think he was that much of a difference maker even when he was healthy now maybe he could have integrated a little bit more trey lyle's helped them a little bit uh but obviously that mitchell trade uh does not look good now for to say oh they should have taken mitchell all right you know they already had i mean remember even emmanuel moody they hadn't given up on yet they had jamal murray they had gary harris uh you know so i think the idea of trading down was good i don't know if trey lyle's would have been the guy that i would have targeted in retrospect though i thought lyle's had shown something and, and his value was a little bit lower you know if it's just some rando number 13 pick you know maybe that deal doesn't look as bad uh gary harris who they got on four years 74 million he's got 10 million in unlikely incentives uh That, you know, if they're really getting into the playoffs, I think it's mostly based on that. So they'll be happy to pay that if they're getting that far. So that's a fair deal probably for Harris. Uh, Now, would Harris have gotten that kind of money had they just waited until restricted free agency this year? Seems unlikely. Maybe you could have seen, you know, I mean, the only team that gave an offer sheet for a two guard with sacramento and that really didn't seem to make a ton of sense with levine when they have a a bunch of two guards already so maybe they could have squeezed harris and, and done a little bit better there uh, you know, I mean, he's making less uh, or about the same annually as Clint Capella, but I, I thought that was a, a fine job. But uh, nonetheless, I mean, because of the Plumlee contract, because of the Mitchell trade, drafting Leiden at number twenty-four, uh, I, I lowered them from a B plus to a C. And it's interesting to say that, though, Danny, because if you had asked us before the season, oh, how are the Nuggets going to do? I mean, what they went forty-six. this was forty. Yeah, it was forty-six. Right the, when they missed the playoffs, so that would have been like maybe one or two fewer wins than we might have predicted them for you know i think i had them like sixth in the west and so just the rest of the west was so good around them but it still seems like it, you know with plumley with then having to setting themselves up for having to make this uh trade with their first round pick this year to get off of farid and arthur i mean that i really didn't care for any of that and that's why i'm down to a c but you know Millsap was still a good contract so that's that's why you're getting a c yeah. if not i mean i, I kind of considered going even lower did you go lower no i want to see
1: and two other things i want to mention that in one in each direction. So I think they cut bait with Danilo Gallinari at exactly the right time. You know, the money oh, he sure. got from the Clippers was a was a great contract for them to avoid. And Millsap is obviously a significantly better player, even if though he missed time with injury. And then the other thing is, part of why I really like the Millsap structure is that it gave them more flexibility in the tw- summer of 2019. And the flexibility to pay Paul Millsap less money is certainly still there. But by paying Nicole Jokic, which 100% on board with that, and paying Will Barton, which I'm less than 100% on board with, through those transactions they're not really gaining as much flexibility as i had hoped they're now the kind of the max slot ideas is at least for right now out the window unless they really got off of some salary so that is something that they lost a little bit it was flexibility that they gained in the contract that they aren't going to be able to use as much they'll still be able to sign somebody if they want but i think more likely it's going to be a more tame off season for denver next year
0: i'll get to the golden state warriors which is another interesting one but first this from crypt tooth rush i mentioned i was away the last two weekends but didn't have to sacrifice on the quality of my toothbrush in the slightest because I take a quick toothbrush with me whenever I travel. It's basically the size of a regular handheld toothbrush, but it is of course an electric toothbrush. It has no charging required; just runs on a single AAA battery. That uh, they say it lasts for three months. It actually, lasted longer than that for me. And if you haven't used an electric toothbrush before, you really should because you probably have sweater teeth, which is what my sister called it, when you can just feel the plaque on your teeth. And if you haven't tried an electric toothbrush yeah, you're going to realize all of a sudden that, wow, I really wasn't getting my teeth that clean. Get more gum stimulation that way as well, I would say. they've got And Quip is just, everything about it is just so well designed. It's got this little suction mount that you can either use it as a cover when you're traveling or you just flip it around, stick it to your mirror. And it doesn't take up any counter space if you're living in in one of those urban apartments that has like that small sink that doesn't actually have any space next to it. The best part is that Quip starts at just $25, far less expensive than most electric toothbrushes. The way to get started with them is at get quip. You want to get quip. Getquip.com slash capspace. And you can get your first refill pack free. GetQuip.com quip.com slash cap space. remember slash cap space, because we talk about it all the time here on the program. G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash cap space. Let me know what that slash cap space URL that you came from us. So here's what the Warriors did. It's, this is one of those ones where it just seems like these guys are always there, but they had to re-sign Steph Curry. They did so without giving him a player option or a no trade. I thought that no trade was pretty important because now nobody else can agitate for a no trade either if Steph Curry didn't get one. They brought back KD for 25 million he could have gotten 34 and that obviously was a coup although they squandered some of that Andre Iguodala returned for three years 48 million uh Sean Livingston three years 24 million last year only two years guaranteed Salza Pachulia David West JaVale McGee all were brought back at the center position the only player they really lost of any consequence was Ian Clark uh I gave them an A at the time so did you how does that look in retrospect
1: I would be fine with them an A just because I had forgotten how active that offseason was and you know they won the NBA championship they needed Iguodala they needed Sean Livingston those guys were, were important at various stages in the process for it but I moved it to an A- because of just what a disaster Nick Young was for the mid-level exception he was basically a non-factor in their playoff run and giving him the full mid-level forced the Warriors to only give Jordan Bell two years it was a great move to buy the pick using the now famous cash considerations to get jordan bell in the first place but paralleling zaza Pachulia the year before they could only give him a two with with patrick parka they could only give bell a two-year contract and it looks now like he's a whole lot better than a minimum guy so having the cost control and certainty and all that for an extra year would have been really useful wait, 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 what are you talking and, about
0: patchouli the year before
1: okay so they gave patchouli the full room exception yeah but that was
0: only two the year years that they signed Kate so it wouldn't have been any yeah
1: yeah no but oh that, oh you're yeah, right that's yeah, they didn't call. have Thank the option for for the that. third year they didn't have the option okay anyway. So, so, um, but so it's still with Jordan Bell, they did, and so I, th- I think they did lose something there. Another one that I want to mention is that they signed Quinn Cook to a two-way contract; that he was one of the players they chose for that. He ended up getting moved into the one of the fifteen after Irma Caspi didn't work out, and so they get you know some credit for Cook being good enough to move into that spot, and some demerit for Caspi being so bad that they were able to cut him without consequence. So I, I say an A minus just because they they didn't end up feeling the opportunity cost, but there there was one with nick young and so i i didn't want to give a straight a
0: yeah and we saw that where with young that was one where at the time we thought it was really waste. We given them an a anyway we really liked Caspi, that ended up being a disaster because he just decided to stop shooting three pointers you know kd taking less was great but that was really more his decision than the warriors uh the jordan bell thing was great i totally agree with you on that i actually lowered them down to a b especially because i mean look at how terribly they played when Steph Curry was out it really like this team should have won more than 58 games and people said oh you know they didn't try blah blah and you know that was true to some extent I mean and also because Draymond Green and Iguodala just you know were not playing at the same level of intensity and also you know weren't being used the way they'd be used in the playoffs right like with Steph out, they weren't going to just start Andre Iguodala at point guard and Draymond Green at center the way they did it to really jumpstart things uh, against San Antonio. But to just have, like, no other shooting on the roster that was playable outside of Durant, Steph, and Clay, and be last in the NBA and bench threes, like, they really could have done better. And, and it didn't take a genius to see that Nick Young wasn't going to work out. I mean, I gave him an A anyway because they brought everyone back and, and they were able to... Um, you know do so without killing the tax and we thought that Caspi would be good and we thought that bell was going to be good and he was another thing that they did which is probably part of the offseason is declining the option on kevon looney and exercising it on damian jones neither of which really looked like the right decision they're lucky to be able to bring back looney for the minimum because it was such a bad market but had it not been for that looney it probably would have ended up leaving, although there wasn't much reason to think at the time that Looney would deserve to have his fourth year option picked up. So I, I moved them down to a B just because Young and Caspi were so bad. And I think also Livingston is looking like a pretty big overpay at this point at, at eight million a year. I'm not sure if he had other offers there, and especially you know even the partial guarantee in the last year. Iguodala, you know, he's still worth his contract when healthy. Just the question is how often that's going to be, uh, and that that third year for him, they're probably going to have to make some kind of an adjustment there if you know clay thompson comes back at, at anything close to the max so down to a b i know they won the championship but i i felt that it wasn't necessarily because of some of those moves they made maybe i'm just being too harsh on the nick young thing but that that was one that just killed me all year
1: yeah it, it certainly did but i think curry for the get not get not having a player option in a no trade is a more significant thing for like the arc of the franchise and actually was a, probably a, a a tartar negotiation i mean depending on how curry was approaching it. i mean it's massively significant for the future of the franchise yeah. and with livingston my my assumption is is that he? Oh, uh, I also, not have how, no insight on this. this.
0: Sorry. Uh, how about not bringing back six centers? Like, do you really need Zaza? <laughs> and david west and javel mcgee and kevon looney and jordan bell and damian jones the answer was apparently yes six centers on the roster but sorry i i i I was just like i i looked at all of the people they reached out i was like wait a minute the last three of these guys are centers like uh Mm
1: -hmm. and they drafted one i mean i don't think they expected jordan bell to be as immediately productive as he was but but still and and damian jones maybe they expected him to be more productive than he was so it it kind of balances out to an to a certain degree there yeah and they ended up just you know paying the tax on on all that kind of stuff but so what i was saying with livingston is i've i have no inside information but my insight my instinct is that he is not going to get that third year at least with the warriors maybe they could you know trade him or cut him or whatever they're going to do there so that couple million is going to be you know, that still counts still counts for everything and if they pay him that it's going to be really costly just with the way the repeater tax yeah. and everything else that's well and, and if year. they
0: trade him uh they probably are going to end up having to guarantee his country it makes it difficult to trade him i mean if he only that's because true. He's got. He would count two million. Uh, outgoing well, or if it, they, they could just income.
1: trade him to it they could just trade him to a team with cap space and they're going to be a lot of those yeah
0: features. maybe and then and then, then the, just pay his salary and they cut him immediately and then they still have the cap space i mean that's possibly right. um let's move to their chief competition now the houston rockets recall that they made the trade for chris paul sending out patrick beverly lou Williams, sandecker montrez harrell and that was uh a, a trade oh yeah.
1: and their own first round right. pick
0: yes thank you which uh ended up becoming Amari spellman in the trusty k of the atlanta hawks after the clippers moved it to get off of jamal crawford uh i gave them an a minus at the time if only because i felt perhaps they gave up a little bit too much in that trade but I mean they won 65 games they almost beat the warriors I, i'd move them up to an a plus for from that a minus pj tucker w- was outstanding luke and Bob Moutier for the moon was great uh Tarek black really you know using the baa on him maybe they could have done a little bit better there uh because he really was unnecessary for the way they wanted to play in the playoffs maybe they could have gotten someone who would have helped and then uh, another interesting one here is they didn't give clint capella an extension and they ended up getting him for uh, a, a great deal uh, which we now know uh that was probably the right decision and not extend him because i'm sure that his demands at the time were even at that point a little bit more lucrative
1: yeah so i gave them an a because i don't give a pluses but it's basically i mean they had they had the best thing there and remember that they went from being number three in cleaning the glasses net rating two years ago to number one without any cap space and while being hard capped like that that's a really impressive double to do where you have no flexibility basically they did have a lot of players on team-friendly contracts which is how they made the chris paul trade happen but they they, and they it seems like there might have been an understanding of what he would get in the future they ended up paying him that money but yeah i mean the moves that maury made outside of that particularly in bamute and pj tucker both look good still a lot of money for pj tucker to be sure but he more than lived up to that contract in his first year yeah tark black I, mean, I think one of the ways that they could have benefited from that was just getting another guy who was capable with the ball in his hands you know as a yeah a, a backup backup a, a a back one guard
0: you know might have been useful there
1: yeah it would have helped reduce the strain i think it's actually a missed opportunity that they had a little bit again so far this offseason maybe melton will do a little bit of that but we'll have to see how he actually does another guy we should mention is Nane. there was also that drama with the over 38 rule which has kind of fallen by the wayside from that summer they brought back troy williams and then that weird thing with bobby brown where they like kind of signed him and cut him because they needed the roster spot but this is overall i mean it's not a perfect offseason but it was an absolutely excellent one and a great evaluation of where the league was going there was that the wording that was out there was that daryl murray was obsessed with the Warriors and that obsession was well placed they were the team that Houston had to knock off to make it to the finals they were the best team in the regular season and even though you could argue that the Warriors were an Andre Iguodala injury away from winning the series in shorter games the Rockets were also a Chris Paul injury away from being the significant favorites to win the NBA championship
0: so the Clippers they made that aforementioned Paul trade they brought in Milos Teodosic uh, on that two-year 12 million dollar deal with the creative partial guarantee and player option in the second year but he's going to return now he's been guaranteed for the season uh getting Lou Williams was awesome he played at a near all-star level uh they signed Willie Reed he was shipped out in the Blake Griffin deal didn't end up doing much Sidarius so Thornwell showed something defensively as the season went on uh Jawan Evans uh, not as much but that's about what your betting average is going to be on picks in the late 30s and then the big thing that we haven't really discussed. Was retaining Blake Griffin uh, at a max contract, uh, five years and uh, about 170 million. That's a a deal that will pay Griffin. Actually, I think it was even more than 170 million. But that's a deal that will pay Griffin 39 million dollars in the 2021. I'm sorry, I'm just going to say it the 21 22 season. And yes, they were able to move on from him. They got back Avery Bradley, who they actually still have on the team now, amazingly. And they got that uh, lottery pick from the Pistons. But I still find it difficult to laud the decision to bring Griffin back, even so.
1: Yeah, I'm the same way. So I said a year ago that this was the hardest offseason to grade because they did the big things wrong, but then they got Chris Paul and they got value. I mean, remember, at the time we were saying that they got more value for Chris Paul than the Pacers did for Paul George or the Bulls did for Jimmy Butler. Yeah. It ended up being that Victor oladipo had this fabulous season and, and went through that. But I mean they still got a, a nice return. And Chris Paul was was had the ability to be an unrestricted free agent. And they got back all these things of value, many of which actually converted into other pieces. Montres Harold, they re-signed at a reasonable contract. Lou Williams, they extended on a reasonable contract. Both of those aren't though those new contracts aren't in the offseason grade, but getting guys that you could eventually retain at a good price yeah certainly is and so yeah it, it's a it's a hard one because i again i don't give them credit for signing a bad contract they eventually got out of i so so i moved them from a c minus to a c minus i kept it the same because it's just it's just weird like i i think the chris paul acquisitions maybe even look a little bit better now i thought lou williams had a really nice year for them harrell fit in well as a backup center you know it was kind of a question mark because he he hadn't had that great opportunity for the rockets yet but the gallo contract is still awful well you it, know that don't forget I, you, this
0: too danny to sign that contract they had to first trade that pick that they got from houston mm-hmm. to atlanta for to get rid of jamal crawford so that they would have room under the hard cap to do uh the sign and trade
1: yeah like this so I and could, also I just could create see giving create them a uh,
0: matching salary for gallo to come in as well
1: sure because they ended up structuring that as a three-team sign and trade all that, all that those shenanigans which also hard capped them but the so i could see going lower than a c minus just because the big things were so wrong. Wrong. I mean Galinari on a three year contract, Blake Griffin on a max contract. But I just kinda ended up in the same place anyway. And I like yeah, as you said, like the Tatous contract, it was interestingly structured. I thought it worked out reasonably well for both sides. So go with that. And another thing that I praised at the time that ended up not mattering was Willie Reed for the minimum. No, nope. Montrez Harold filled that role fine
0: I actually moved them up. I had given them a C, you'd given them a C minus. I actually moved them up to a B and Well, you you still wouldn't do the Griffin contract over again, I think, because I mean there's still just such a big risk there there that they wouldn't be able to trade it that he would get injured that they wouldn't have to give up assets to get off of him i mean i I think what they were able to trade back from him was you know a a very high percentile outcome based on the the things that could have happened there uh but you have to give them a little bit of credit because there was at least someone who was willing to take that contract, bad though we think it is. And then, you know, Lou Williams, I mean, getting a guy who played at a near all-star level for someone who was just going to leave anyway, I mean, that was pretty fantastic. Uh, and, and we'll see with Gal. I mean, obviously that turned out absolutely as poorly as it possibly could have last year with all the injuries that he had, but, you know, he might still contribute and they weren't really going to have much cap space this offseason anyway. I think they did a, a wise job of not trying to bring back deandre jordan Uh, and then next summer they're still going to just have armloads of cap space even with gallo on the books and you know worst case if they if he's really causing them trouble they could stretch him in that last year and he might contribute to them this season as well i mean getting hard capped was a problem i mean as you'll recall they were really playing it pretty fast and loose with the two-way guys just to try to avoid having to get someone else in there that would have taken them up against the hard cap or or, or the tax. Uh it was actually really more the tax I'm sorry than it, than it was the hard cap. But uh so I, I but I mean this team was just better than I think anyone thought they would be and they have totally clean books going forward. They got some assets that are going to help them win games as you mentioned for the next few years so that's why i moved them up to a b i think they've done a pretty good job is that really weird to you that i'm moving them up that much or do you understand that
1: well I, I think that one of the things that you're kind of giving them credit for I guess that I'm not is the idea of identifying that they just t- keep on trying to win now like if they had cl- moved on like they could have gotten an asset for DeAndre Jordan it's not necessarily that they, they tried to do two things they got all these th- guys back for Chris Paul but they weren't a playoff team they ended up not making the playoffs and so that fits in with what it sounds like their ownership wanted but you know a clear eyed direction they could have positioned themselves even better for what's coming than what happened I mean getting Tobias Harris and some of the other stuff with the Blake Griffin you know they ended up making it work but I think they could have done more with this
0: yeah that's right I mean that that Griffin trade really was pretty damn good I mean to get Avery Bradley who's still gonna be on the team and that pick and Tobias Harris I mean that's uh that was pretty good uh let's move on to the Lakers I had initially and we've talked so much about what their moves were on, and we think we need to go over it I'd give them an a- minus initially so had you what is your new grade for them
1: so i'm gonna give them an a and it's interesting because i originally like when i did the regrade i gave them an a minus on the idea actually that my biggest criticism as it is right now and of course this can change is drafting lonzo ball over jason tatum that was a move i completely supported at the time but jason tatum was awesome last but, year well, and but Alonzo when you ball gave was...
0: them the initial a minus lonzo drought that wasn't part of it right like you you were on board with the lonzo pick and lonzo was good in summer league like
1: no that that, that that wasn't the mo- that wasn't the minus. yeah yeah, yeah. No, what was, what the, was the, the minus?
0: Uh, since we're such negative people
1: i actually i actually think they so at the time i'm reading the the benefit of writing a paragraph for each one of these is is remembering it was that i think that my criticism was that they cut bait too early on d'angelo russell we still don't know that because it was such a weird year for him but the idea basically being that they did that to to get off of Mozgov's contract before they they knew what they needed and you know worked out they had enough space for lebron everything that happened there i thought maybe they could do something else with d'angelo russell i think that worked out pretty well for them but the reason that i moved it from an A minus to an A is actually not the Lonzo part of it. It's Kuzma, kuzman Hart, and then the consistency of vision to maintain the cap space. I mean, I think those those are such big elements to get right. Getting two at least rotation players, maybe starters. We'll see where those guys go in the future. In the twenties, one of which you got in a, in as a return in a trade where you sent other like the, the principals were actually going from your team. That's a really impressive move for me. And you know, so so I, I it's it's a hard one in certain ways to grade because you know like the least there's still so many swirling questions with Lonzo but if you hit on picks that well and Lopez and KCP they were on expiring contracts they did their job I think that like that that's the consistency of vision part was we want to have enough flexibility to make sure that we can go after max guys and guess what they got LeBron James
0: well there's some interesting stuff in the relationships here too right KCP on the one year deal many speculated that because he's also with clutch sports that that was kind of a something to clear the the LZ hung out with a bunch of guys he Used to be in the military so i'm using military terms now the landing zone for lebron and Now they still actually have KCP back as well. They also, though, did not extend Julius Randle. They were reportedly offered a deal that started right at his cap hold of twelve point four million dollars. And recall, of course, that Randle and Paul George have the same agent, and the Lakers did not even get a meeting with Paul George. Perhaps in part because of their fractious relationship with Aaron Mintz, who, who is the agent for both Randle and George. So maybe if they extend Randle, if they take that offer, or maybe they negotiate a little bit they wanted to keep that space open obviously and move on from because they were hoping to get two max guys but maybe if they take care of randall that helps them with paul george i wouldn't normally suggest operating that way because i think generally when you try to pay guys more than you think they should be paid just because like oh we're gonna make his agent feel good and then he'll do some favor for us later you know I, i don't know how often that actually seems to work out it seems to lead to mistakes more than it leads to getting the big score in free agency but that's an interesting one to think about but nonetheless like you i moved them up to an a i mean lonzo over tatum does not look good in part because of these injuries that that lonzo had but it wasn't realistic again for them to take anyone other than lonzo there nobody was saying to take tatum over lonzo at the time i think still think lonzo can be a very good player and then getting hard and kuzma at the picks that they got them were both great steals so that looks awesome and then at the when you look at how much teams i mean we've seen teams be basically unable to get off of the sour 16s contracts with two years left on them even now so to have been able to do that and also get back the pick that became kuzma and brooke lopez who helped them This year, all at the price of Russell, who, you know, you thought they gave up on him too early. I didn't necessarily feel that way. I think I've been lower on him. And then he struggled with his health and didn't look great last year. You know, I think that's looking like a a one trade for the Lakers, especially to get that extra pick that became Kuzma. So, yeah, I think you can't really do anything other than an A, and it would even be an A-plus had it not been for Lonzo just not working out quite as well as Tatum.
1: I also want to mention that Jason Tatum would have been an awesome fit next to LeBron had they been able to do that. I mean, they didn't obviously know that was coming. But now knowing what we know, incidentally, it would have been it would have been nasty. All
0: right. One more read here before we move on to the Grizzlies. And that is from Helix Sleep, the mattress that I sleep on every single night. We now actually own two of them. And everyone is unique when it comes to sleeping. That is certainly the case for me, certainly the case for my fiance. Helix Sleep has developed nine different mattresses that are tailored to specific body types and sleep preferences. You go to our vanity URL, that's what they call it in the industry, helixsleep.com slash capspace, and take their two-minute sleep quiz, and they'll match you to a mattress that's perfect for you, contours your body to provide unprecedented comfort and better sleep 36 percent of helix sleep customers including me for example report better sleep after switching to their customized mattress from helix sleep and all of these other box mattress retailers that only give you one mattress and certainly don't match your body to it I tried one of those and was really uncomfortable sleeping on it. And then we moved on to Helix Sleep instead. And Helix Sleep is offering a great deal here too with that helixsleep.com slash cap space URL, $125 off your mattress order depending on which one you get you can get up to 125 dollars off your mattress order and whether you're a side sleeper you sleep too hot like a plush bed a firm bed they've got the mattress that will fit you just right and you can get up to 125 dollars off at helixsleep.com capspace cap space make sure you use that cat Ooh, wow make sure to use that slash cap space url to get your up to 125 dollars off and let them know that you came from us so the grizz despite a disastrous season i really didn't downgrade them that much i i'd given them a b but we were incomplete because we didn't know it was going to happen with tony allen didn't know it was going to happen with Jamichael green in restricted free agency they were up against the tax but i actually only downgraded them to a c because i didn't think that the reasons they failed last year were because of their off season
1: i had them at a c minus originally and i upgraded them to a C basically so the, the they did very little last offseason partially because they had these constraints with with spending and Tyreek Evans was a great signing Ben McAmore was an awful signing and <laughs> McAmore was signed for more years than Tyreek so you could say that's that's a downside but I mean Tyreek that that worked out well and while I have my misgivings that they should have traded him that is obviously not a part of these grades and and
0: and worth remembering they got Tyreek for the the BAE 3.3 million and you know he looked like he was almost out of the league I mean he was just total filler in that Cousins trade going to Sacramento and then he just you know kind of hung out there didn't do much that was incredibly impressive
1: and they also gave so they had our previously drafted Rade Zagorich but they actually paid him they signed him that year and he was so bad they cut him the same summer so he didn't play he didn't end up playing for them yeah he's and still Ivan on their Rab, cap for this year he is Ivan Rab they drafted over I'm going to mention this trio more than a few times of Ojale, Bell, and Bolden I mean Bolden is by far the weakest of those three but I think Rab is substantially yeah. worse than all those guys they were drafted right after they, him they seem to like and Rab we'll see
0: what he ends up doing I mean, they,
1: they do and and Dylan Brooks played more minutes than any other rookie so that's pretty impressive and they drafted him even later he was in the 40s Jermichael Green's contract was fine you know they didn't get a lot of present value because they were so bad yeah. last year, but I thought it was a reasonable contract. It's nothing, yeah. nothing too Two bad years, and Two years, $16 part
0: for, for Jermichael Green.
1: The, the other part that I want to talk about a little bit, because it gets lost because he wasn't a part of the season for most of it last year, but I still think the Wayne Seldon contract was a really good one for them. I think Seldon is one of their better perimeter players. I hope that he actually gets minutes this year, and so by getting him for a, I believe was a non-guaranteed or a lightly guaranteed second season, I think he's restricted this upcoming summer. But either way, just getting him on, on a team-friendly two-year deal for a player who is a, who would be a rotation level guy on a better team but they've been shallow on the perimeter this last year and then probably this year even though they added temple and kyle anderson I, I still really like that deal
0: they also deserve credit still for moving on from zach randolph who signed for two years 24 million with the kings certainly not giving him that contract or anything close to it, it was the right play they also moved on from tony allen who you know looks like he's, he's done now at this point he signed in new orleans and wasn't able to stay healthy macklemore as you mentioned was a complete disaster uh we could probably throw just dumping wade baldwin before the season started uh as part of their offseason that doesn't look very smart they went the short term thinking that mario chalmers would contribute he really did not uh, and baldwin is looking like he might still be a player you know they draft him i think 17th back in 2016 gave up on him a, after a year So very short-term thinking there so i i went with the c i had initially given them a b minus i mean i think really just macklemore being such a, a rough use of resources uh, ultimately um is uh, probably why the downgrade and then uh but i mean they were never going to be any good with gasol playing a lot worse uh, and with conley missing the entire season regardless of what they had done last offseason
1: let's move on to a team that actually did a ton in the 2017 offseason the minnesota timberwolves the biggest part of it at the time that we recorded this was the massive jimmy butler deal where they traded zach levine chris dunn and then the first round pick swap where they gave up the pick that became lowry Market and got the pick that became justin Patton. they also signed jeff teague taj gibson jamal crawford and then they also traded ricky rubio for a first round pick and then the part that was not included in our offseason Season grades and is a significant part of the regrade is giving andrew wiggins a max extension
0: woof yeah it's be very interesting to think of what wiggins might have gotten as a re- restricted free agent this season or even if they had just negotiated with them a, a little bit instead of their owner coming out and saying oh hey you know we're gonna give him the max extension as soon as he comes into my office and promises he's gonna work really hard then we'll give it to him uh i'd give them a b plus initially i love the butler trade thought that that was an absolute steal and i thought Teague was fine you didn't like Teague as much uh, as I recall Taj Gibson we didn't like that one two years 28 million also Jamal Crawford uh, with their room exception although i think he actually did them a favor by opting out uh, this year of his over four million that he was due justin Patton looks like yeah he's been injured so it's a little bit unfair but looks like an absolutely awful pick right now they already have way too many centers that they're paying way too much money to uh but a, a lot of this changed i moved them down to a c plus and especially because of that wiggins extension and gibson was much better than i thought he would be i mean they played really well when he was on the floor they played really well with their starters out there despite the lack of spacing the lack of spacing Killed them in the playoffs, of course, against Houston, where they just could not get any room to work. uh They also traded away Ricky Rubio right before the league year turned over to get that OKC lottery protected pick. They turned that into Josh Akagi, the number 20 overall pick in 2018. I thought that was a good piece of work there. So, with all that, I'm at a C. Plus and it's, I mean, you have to remember okay, they went from 31 to whatever it was, 47 wins last year, and probably could have won more if Butler had had been healthy you know looked like they're on track to be the third or fourth seed in the east before that butler injury but in the long term especially now at this wiggins extension you wonder you know this is supposed to be like the most talented young team in basketball part of that was just because people overrated wiggins you would think but it looks like this team really has nowhere to go now Danny.
1: i moved them from an a minus to a c and it is unbelievable that they moved that much without the jimmy butler trade looking any worse for them this is not a circumstance where that sometimes happens like we'll talk about okc in a little bit where the ground changes underneath the team's feet on the biggest move that they made and so they go into that you know chris dunn was better than i thought he was going to be zach levine was still coming back from injury had an awful year got got a got a ludicrous contract so like that part of it they come out of that part of this trade looking really good overall but then we can't lose sight of the justin Patton pick there were good players on the board then yes 16 is not a super valuable place yes
0: i mean they're even you know, good they're, if you had to have a fucking center there are like good centers that they could have gotten
1: john collins jared allen but og and Anobi, even terrence ferguson would have helped out this team i mean just just as a uh, long term yeah, yeah maybe of like, i don't know about that I'm, not, not he wouldn't help them days, out last but, yeah. year but yeah i mean just as a as a guy i mean I'd, I'd rather have him than justin Patton for sure knowing what we know right now and jamal crawford was another kind of really good symptom of what was going on there because while jamal crawford is not a terrible basketball player he did not cure what ailed that team and that was a big concern for me that you know you have these limited team building tools outside of the trade and you know the draft yeah, picks that uh, they uh, had and so uh, and
0: jamal crawford by the way had the worst i think the worst defensive rpm in the entire league it was like negative 5.45 like he's he just they were so bad defensively when they had any unit out there other than their starters and Crawford was a huge part of that
1: yeah and and then the Wiggins contract is just a disaster I mean it, and one of the notes that I put in there this time is I wonder how this is going to look how we'll think about Minnesota's 2017 offseason if Jimmy Butler leaves next summer because they don't have a ton of flexibility to replace him and now you know Jim we know Jimmy Butler is not going to sign an extension this year that is not a surprise that is not damning or guarantee to you that he's going to leave or anything silly like that but this starts to look really different if it was still a worthwhile gamble it's still a great trade but if they don't have the ability to pivot after this it was because of the rush to kind of fill in all these gaps and to pay Andrew Wiggins before they had to because they were worried about something that will be the reason why that you know that happens and it's not damning Minnesota to be the worst team in the league or anything like that but I think a lot about teams that miss opportunities and it is not done yet but it seems like that's where the is going
0: yeah and maybe you could say that they shot their shot a little bit too early by cashing in those assets for butler you know if they had just made the number seven pick now they probably would have paid zach levine too you know i mean i don't think that they would have actually if they'd paid levine and they'd paid andrew wiggins they wouldn't have necessarily had much more flexibility they'd still have jang on the book so i mean i think it was the right decision to trade for butler i mean they did win more games they did get the nba back oh in the absolutely spotlight. i'm not questioning yeah. that part at all yeah no i i mean it's just it's a question that's worth asking I mean, really what they're going to have to do is just, you know, banking on the same thing they've been banking on ever since Carl Anthony Towns got to town, which is, hey, we're going to just play better defensively with the internal improvement. Let's move on to the Pels now. I'd give them a D last year, as did you. What was your initial rationale behind that D grade and uh, where are you putting them now?
1: The two big things Minnesota did last year were retain Drew Holiday. Sorry, yeah, that team. They so we we only we only say we use
0: so many pronouns. The one time we actually use a proper name, we have to we have to make sure it gets. No, no,
1: I can, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> so, th- so they gave Drew Holiday a big deal, you know, big contract, and then the uh, they used some of well, a lot of their remaining flexibility to sign Rajon Rondo. And their biggest needs were shooting and ball handlers beyond Drew Holiday. And obviously, Rondo doesn't add much in the way of shooting. He did actually shoot a better percentage from three last year, but we saw those issues come to the fore in their series against the Warriors. And so I gave them a D at the time because I just thought it was a, like it was a poor identification. And so I moved that all the way up. This is my biggest upgrade in the western conference move them from a d to a b because rondo worked out far better than expected drew holiday looks like he's a lot more likely at this point to be worth the money assuming he stays healthy he had a a wonderful playoffs but i thought he had a pretty good year overall and then the other part that changed though this is not necessarily due to their offseason is that the huge luxury tax crunch that we thought was impending for this team is now gone because of the whole demarcus cousins thing going the way that it did so those are important parts they also you know. they lost a bunch of guys that were parts of the rotation like Dante Cunningham and Tim Frazier they actually I think would have been better off keeping Quinn Cook and not signing Ian Clark the Warriors and the and the Pels basically swapped those two guys but also I like Darius Miller as a contract and then the other thing we have to mention is Frank Jackson Jackson has because in involved in everything they moved up to they actually I think they moved up with cash to move up to 31 drafted Frank Jackson over the aforementioned Bell Ogilvy and Bolden Trio and he missed time with injury but I think... Thought he was worse than those guys back then, too.
0: Yeah, I mean, he basically missed the entire season and he had another procedure as well. I'll second everything that you said because I also gave him a D initially and I moved them up to a B. But those who are like, How could you, you know, they won 47 games, they didn't even have cousins. Well, worth remembering that they also had to give up a first round pick to get Nikola Miritich, and that Miritich was a big part of why they made the playoffs. And that wasn't the result of of this offseason. So they certainly exceeded And they had cousins for half the year, too. Yeah, and people like, Oh, they were hitting their stride with cousins yeah i mean they had won b- a bunch of close games in a row i think the whole idea of oh man they were really going awesome with cousins right before he got hurt you know it was true to some degree but not necessarily as much as some people say but it just worth noting that this offseason was part of why they exceeded expectations and much as i believe rondo is overrated I, he played well for the money that they gave him this season he helped them win some games even if i thought he played too much and they should have gone with drew more at point guard but nonetheless got to move him up uh, to a b here and uh you know and even with holiday the fact that as you mentioned that that contract looks better is a good thing the thunder is a very very interesting one and we have to mention it you know i give him an a plus you as the soviet judge who doesn't give a pluses gave them an a but what we didn't know at the time was that they would trade for carmelo anthony that trade was ennis canter doug mcdermott and the bulls second rounder this year which ended up being pretty good i forget exactly which oh there's mitchell robinson who uh, so ended up getting drafted there uh, by the knicks but uh where would you put them after everything we know now which we probably don't need to go over too much because i we've discussed them ad nauseum of course
1: so i moved them down to a b plus this was another brutally hard offseason to grade because you have the combination of oladipo emerging and paul george resigning so they were they presti made a massive bet on their culture and he won that that part of it they they also could have really used sabonis last year you know i, I don't think you know it's not yeah
0: for them, but they, they were always well, playing him power for it i mean i don't think they even considered right. that he should play center which is that's his position
1: yeah and well i i would say mellow didn't work out overall it was totally a worthy gamble we did not expect that yeah. season to go as it did but, and the opportunity cost for them was not high i mean ennis canner was you know he wasn't a playoff player for them anyway mcdermott you know maybe he would have been a, a small part of the rotation that second round pick so you have that then you have a couple other big pieces i want to mention so andre robertson three years 30 million i still think that's a reasonable contract sure. Like the injury that happened to him was a freak occurrence you know that wasn't it didn't concern yeah. confirm any concerns have much that we injury had history prior to that yeah exactly patterson had an awful year yeah. i would I mean, that... place a lot of the blame on that on injury and that that to me that's a big part of why it's a b plus instead of being something like an a minus is because that really didn't work out and it's going to be there for a couple of years it was a little bit unforeseeable and then the other one i want to give them some credit for is ray felton ray felton at the minimum good backup they that, remember how bad that situation was the year before was a part of how Russell Westbrook won the MVP was because Samashe Christian had been and the, you know, the ghost of Ronnie Price's cap hold had basically been their backup point guards for the year before. And so getting Felton was a really big help for them overall.
0: The mellow trade worth noting that that perhaps sealed the deal for Russell Westbrook re-signing. On that designated player veteran extension, Oladipo I mean, certainly, Old had maybe the greatest one season improvement in NBA history last year, or the most unexpected one season improvement in NBA history last year, I mean, right up there with Jimmy Butler's 2014 15. And Sabonis, too, wasn't any good, you know. I mean, I think, but i think it's fair to note that all those caveats aside even with paul george resigning i think in terms of just what value do the pacers get from the players versus what value do or the players in their contracts versus what value do the thunder get from the players and contracts involved i think based on what we know now and obviously this can change with you know any of these players getting hurt or taking a step back or whatever but i would actually predict that the pacers got won that trade just if you're looking at it purely and so victor oladipo very unlikely if they had held on to him that he would have played at the same level that he did in indiana but nonetheless that is one way to look at this of like hey you know what maybe this should be downgraded a little bit i mean i think you can argue that oladipo was better than paul george last year he's younger he didn't just have off-season knee surgery and he makes 20 million a year instead of paul george is gonna be making 35 million a year and then also sabonis was uh, involved as well ultimately i gave them a b minus in part because of Patterson, I mean, he had surgery before the season. I think it probably was pretty clear that he was damaged goods. I mean, we loved that contract, but there's a reason he was available for that price that he just, you know, if he could have been the same player he was in Toronto, I think much would have been different for this team last year and maybe even going forward as well. One other thing worth noting too, is that they uh, exercised the fourth year team option on Jeremy Grant. So he became unrestricted this year, but they were able to retain him at $9 million a year.
1: Though I'm betting they could have gotten him substantially cheaper if he had been restricted last year, even though there was a lot more money in 2017. That would have come at the cost of electric tax, but theoretically, knowing what we know now, they would have traded some of that cost for this year when the team is even more expensive.
0: Yeah, and also, I mean, worth noting with that Mellow trade, I mean, they got Dennis Schroeder now which i think of as a negative contract and they had to give up a first round pick in 2022 to get off of mellow now it's relatively well protected but and they traded for someone they gave up players who could play a little bit it would have helped them to some degree they got much worse circumstances financially but again maybe that's what caused westbrook to resign who knows I, i i think he probably would have resigned anyway but uh so yeah, down to a B minus. Let's now. move
1: on. Yeah, and I I I moved them down to a B plus. Phoenix Suns. The biggest thing they did was drafting Josh Jackson. They also drafted Devon Reed, brought in Mike James, who ended up being gone. You know, was he was a two way success story and then was gone. The other big thing that wasn't counted then was re signing T J Warren. They gave him four years and fifty million dollars on an extension, which is kicking in now. And then they also got Alex Len, took his qualifying offer. Alan Williams, they gave that three year fifteen million dollar contract to, but. That those second two years were non guaranteed The last two, two of the last two years were non-guaranteed. So they ended up letting him go. What, what did you give them? I'm trying to remember.
0: Uh, this was one where I looked at my grades and I was like, "What the fuck was I thinking? Giving them a B minus because I I didn't like Josh Jackson. I've always been very consistent on that. Now I, Josh Jackson was even worse than I thought he would be, and his summer league performance, which we'll get to in a later podcast, was uh, not encouraging. Uh, you gave them a C minus, but I, I, my rationale at the time was i just really like them not giving out any bad contracts uh this is before the warren extension but the warren extension to me is kind of neutral uh you know i mean i really i would like to see what he would be on a real team that has some shooting where he he can kind of focus on scoring but he's probably not a starter with his shooting limitations you know he's got to be more of a bench scorer type of guy so that's probably that's probably not a movable contract uh fails that nanae test as you would say i i I liked what they did with len just making him take the qualifying offer not giving him any money those a great idea uh, but i mean really so they deserve some credit for like not screwing up uh but i mean the jackson pick i thought it was bad at the time i mean i liked any of probably four or five guys better smith i liked fox better than him i liked isaac better than him i liked marketing even better than him and, and you know i think that they passed probably on isaac i mean they liked i think they really liked josh jackson anyway but you know they passed probably on, on isaac and marketing because you know oh we already got uh marquise chris and Dragon bender well both those guys look pretty terrible and you know so you've you you passed on guys who could play because uh, in favor of guys who couldn't play at that position
1: well and they still need a point guard
0: right exactly yeah (laughs) i mean how good even though wings even though
1: wings are the even though wings are the most valuable position in the league right now they actually have enough wings and they don't have point guards and we'll see what ends up happening with their offense i'm very interested in that there's
0: just no reason to think that jackson would be able to shoot i mean we've seen guys improve but you know the bad free throw shooting the form the shot selection i mean there's just uh, was not much reason to believe that he was going to be a solid shooter and you know he's not he's a plays hard but he's a solid athlete he's not really strong enough to guard like the biggest wing threats anyway so my new grade is a d um you also made the comment because i actually went back and listened to that uh, very closely because i wanted to know what the hell i was thinking and give him a b minus um you made the comment that they should have moved eric Bledsoe. they actually ended up doing just that to the bucks they got a first round pick i think that looks like a fine trade um Another thing that we can throw in here too is they didn't fire Earl Watson, and then you know they obviously should have done that, and then had a real coach for last year instead of Jay Triana in the interim, and then they also actually gave Ra- uh, Ryan McDonough an extension, which uh, again i I've, I've not been particularly impressed by his work, and it just and then this year they decided to you know with all this powder they kept dry they just go a one-year 15 million dollar deal for trevoriza who plays the same position as like a bunch of these other guys that they're theoretically trying to develop so they just they never seem to have any kind of a plan it just totally vacillates from year to year and so uh you know d uh,
1: not and and that was actually another of my big criticisms with that i thought they didn't clarify where they were that they kind of kept these veterans but they weren't good enough to really compete and it ended up being that those veterans like jared dudley and tyson chandler didn't Push them up you know they still sucked so i guess you could say that was you know it's kind of like some of these other teams where it's like okay well that didn't that didn't hold them back in terms of getting a good draft pick like we talked about that with dallas a little bit earlier but it is still a criticism that i have for this team it's just that they you know that they didn't really ever make make sense of of where they were and it's not like those guys they they were certainly mentors but i mean you could you could do that with a lot of other roles and they basically dumped jared dudley for a player who is who is worse and making slightly less money and then tyson Chandler still Around, I guess he'll he'll be the mentor the other thing drafting Devon Reed he had a lost year due to injury but he was another one of those guys taking over Ojale and Bell who both of those guys could help them lie I mean Jordan Bell would have been a very useful part of their big man rotation last year and actually plays intelligently which would I mean who knows if that would have been brought out of him by Triano and Earl Watson but at least he can play
0: yeah so uh I mean uh... I couldn't believe I was, like, so high in the Suns. So that was uh, – I, I won't make that mistake.
1: Oh, I don't then. think I mentioned it. So I moved them from a C- to a D.
0: Okay. Well, you were, you were right on that one. And I guess – I mean, for me, it was, like, they drafted – I mean, I think just right after the draft, I try to, like, okay, yeah, you drafted a guy I didn't like, but sometimes our evaluations are wrong, you know, certainly with the Celtics drafting Tatum who we didn't like that much he obviously turned out to be awesome I mean you could certainly be wrong but on that one I was right uh about Jackson I should have just put more weight onto that the Blazers they you'll recall made that trade of 15 which became Justin Jackson and 20 which became Harry Giles for Zach Collins uh, the number 10 overall selection they also used the 26th pick on Caleb Swanigan they had a brilliant trade I thought in moving Alan Crabb for Andrew Nicholson whom they promptly stretched over seven years crab was making 18 million for three more years nicholson making six million for three more years and they really didn't do much else other than that i I gave him a b because i thought they did well to get off of crab's contract the only thing we can throw in there as well is they did not extend Yusuf nurkic which i think was a great idea uh you know they probably made an offer which is much bigger than what he ended up taking that four for 48 with only 40 million guaranteed um, so I, I think that was pretty good. I am gonna move them down to a C plus, though, from that B, just because I'm just not as big of a believer in the guys that they drafted. Uh, even if they did get to the three seed, which was better than we thought they'd be, that wasn't because of any moves the moves that they made uh, last offseason.
1: Right, and that's something that I I wanted to talk about as well is that they didn't really. Oh, and I'm sorry, I, I misspoke. Alan
0: Kraft. I misspoke. I gave them a C plus before. I moved them up to a B. I, I transposed that. Sorry.
1: Interesting. Okay, because I gave them a B originally and moved them down to a C minus. <laughs> And the reason for that is because, you know, getting off of Krabs money is fine. They didn't replace him. They still won 49 games, but they still have these weird depth issues. And both of their draft picks, I mean, Collins might end up working out. Swanigan was just a complete whiff to me in terms of understanding where the league is, understanding where they are. And so like, they could have, you know, either Kuzma or Hart would have helped. And they, they need threes in the worst way. Neither of those guys is really a three, but they, you know, they're, and certainly they could have, I like, or any number of guys. Collins, you know, Donovan Mitchell was available there there and while many I, I he was again not a guy that we watched film of people had collins in a higher tier than donovan mitchell god he would have been awesome there and so for me they it ended up working out they stayed healthy like that was a big concern for me with the blazers last year it, it will be again this year whenever we get to that because they just don't have a lot of depth so if like cj or dame heaven forbid misses time they just can't replace those guys and they've kind of been able to survive they've been able to to avoid those pitfalls over the last couple of years and so for me that's overall that's you know a missed opportunity they had they moved up to to get they had those three picks and consolidated into 10 and into and then they kept the Swanigan pick that wasn't included in the trade to get up and get collins so yeah i, I think this is a this was a, a series of missed opportunities even though i do like the Allen crab circumstance for them yeah
0: I, I think if you want to put more of a weight in, uh, on the draft you know i still think collins could be good to some degree although now they've re-signed nurkic so you use the number 10 pick on a guy who's going to be a backup for you or they, they're going to trade Nurkic. i mean i did not not extending Nurkic, uh, I thought was really good. I'm giving some good weight to that. I thought that the Crab trade was really brilliant. I mean, they're in just such a bad situation. Uh,
1: yeah, and it was, and it was another one kind of like we talked about with the, the Clippers, where there might have only been one team that could make that would have made that deal. They found that team, sought them out, and made it happen.
0: So, and I mean, they got to the three seed last year. They had a very nice year. So, yeah, it wasn't because of some of the stuff that they did last offseason, but to shed that money and still be as good as they were was useful and then it's an interesting question of this i think the, especially the later you get in the draft it's much harder to be critical of, of certain pictures i actually had a, a debate with a, a tour follower's name unfortunately escapes me at, at this point but about he, he was saying hey you know what like you can't say oh they still had these next five guys who were good picks uh at the time when you know you have to just say hey they didn't do well here but like what would the average of the 26th pick in swanigan h- have been And I understand that argument. You can't just cherry pick that like, oh, yeah, in the next 20 picks, there are five guys and just say every team that didn't get one of those five guys should have drafted him. Like, you can't say that. But at the if you especially if you're saying at the time, hey, you know what, Caleb Swanigan just doesn't have a place in the modern NBA. Like, what does he do? If you're saying that when the guy is drafted and and Collins, you know, he can shoot, he's mobile, but you know, as a four point five, when they already had a long term player at center, you you wonder about it as well. So those are ones. If it's kind of a head scratcher at the time, I think you're allowed to say that, especially if we were saying, hey, you know what, I think Bell and a newbie you know mitch mitchell i will freely admit i wasn't as high end so I, it's harder for me to say that um but i mean if we're talking about guys that just like didn't look good even at the time that they were picked you know i, I feel more comfortable casting those kinds of aspersions
1: right and the positive case for caleb swanigan is really wanting this is right. different than taking yeah. somebody Same and it's not Lee, working out
0: right like, like okay yeah let's say this guy does exactly what you're saying he's supposed to be able to do right because that's you know that's the two components of the draft one is all right what do we think this guy can be and then number two is all right does he actually grow into that right and so you could at least answer the if the first question isn't something that's valuable then like why even take the guy in my opinion you know I mean unless you're in the 50s or something and you're just like all right we think this guy can play and no one else can or something like that um let's go to the kings now we, we good there
1: yeah so Sacramento did a series of moves they drafted De'Aaron Fox they traded 10 for 15 and 20 they took Justin Jackson and Harry Giles with those picks and and then they spent oh and they drafted frank mason and then they spent a ton of money multi-year money mostly on veterans they signed george hill basically a two-year contract He had that light partial guarantee on the third year gave Zebo two years and then vince carter one year eight million and then they lost you know collison and gay and tyreek they basically lost like all of the veterans on the prior year team and then they signed uh bogdan bogdanovich to a three-year deal 24 million i think that's looking pretty good for them so i gave them a c-minus at the time i said that it was in kind of overkill for them, basically the way that they use their money on veterans. I moved them down to a D. Fox, you know, that's still an open question, but the free agent signings were an absolute disaster, and where I wanted to focus on that part of it is not even thinking about the opportunity cost of signing Randolph and Hill in 2017, which is certainly, they could have done a lot with that. That was $32 million that they gave those two guys in 2017. If you want to add a Carter, that's 40 But they also get, still paid those guys. It had $23 million in obligations for the 2018 season, even after moving george hill for amon shumpert something obviously they wouldn't have had to do if george hill was was not on the roster they didn't get any assets in that deal they just got out of some money and any assets of value so what could they have done with another 23 million this year a lot like they, they, even if it was getting an extra first run pick like they could have done so much with that and they got zero yeah. value from it
0: i mean they, they could have done an aaron gordon offer sheet they could have, i mean they had a lot of ways to go now of course they all they also drafted marvin bagley and so with all these players on the market who were power forwards all of a sudden that didn't make sense but you know nobody said they had to draft Marvin marvin bagley either they could have had a lot of bites at the apple in restricted free agency to really get someone who could be a part of the king's next good king's team instead of having zach randolph and amon shumpert on the team um the way i would characterize it i gave him a c minus initially i don't know why i was so positive at the time but
1: i, I can tell tell you why. We both really liked George Hill at that point. <laughs> but no i, I don't th- i mean i
0: don't think that's what it was actually i, I mean because I, I i never thought that made sense right because
1: i, I wrote that it was okay yeah so yeah i, yeah,
0: I mean it, it was but and also i think because this is the thing right they ended up with the number two pick anyway but like their goal was really dumb right like people were like oh yeah the kings are really gonna be respectable this year they're gonna like get back into playoff contention which we, you know we never bought but like you know with getting george hill who they drafted or they signed after they'd already drafted De'Aaron fox didn't really seem to make much sense uh Bogdanovich does look like a good contract but that's really all of their contracts that they signed that that were any good you know spending seven million on Vince Carter really looked like kind of a waste uh so but they had this dumb goal of getting better when they didn't you know the signings weren't going to accomplish that and what it should have done is give them a much worse draft pick So they had a they had a goal that didn't make any sense. But fortunately for them, they were so incompetent in trying to accomplish that goal that they couldn't accomplish it, and therefore they got another good pick. Which you know they may have screwed up again by taking badly. And they have you know as you mentioned that over twenty million on their books for this year as well. But I mean it's important to remember you know what did they win twenty seven last year or something? Like they had by far like were one of the luckiest teams. Like this team should have been in the low twenties last year, and that's after spending all this money to try and get better. It really. Really just the whole plan made no sense whatsoever the fact that scott perry was able to parlay that into getting a, an even better job with the knicks is completely hilarious so uh the one thing that might be a saving grace was that getting jackson and giles for Collins, I probably would rather have those two guys at this point. We'll see what happens with Josh. Well, so
1: what I wanted to ask you was, but would you rather have fifteen and twenty or ten? If it, the kind of going back to the Justin Patton issue of like drafting the wrong guys, does that make it? How does that? Affect yeah,
0: I, I mean, generally we've seen that. You know picks in those range where you're trading up for picks in the 10 range you know you're usually better off with the lower picks you know the the nurkich harris for mcdermott trade being an extreme example of that the eddie griffin for oh let me see if i can remember the three guys this will be interesting richard jefferson was one of them oh it was this left-handed dude from pepperdine it wasn't like brandon arms it might have been brandon armstrong was the guy's name and then
1: it was i'm so impressed oh,
0: and then uh was the last one jason
1: collins ding 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 yes it's
0: that 2001 2001 draft Uh, So anyway, uh, we really go on some tangents here in the summer. We are, (laughs) these are not the tightest episodes, but nonetheless, uh, you know, I was going to say D plus. I, I, after that rant, I talked myself into a D.
1: One other thing I want to mention is they did pass on OG and an twice, and he would be a wonderful fit with this team because they got 15 and 20. They could have taken him at either of those spots. And with Harry Giles, you know, they gave him a redshirt year. We'll see how he looks this season. That, that redshirt didn't really cost them anything, you know, in terms of, oh no, they, they lost a year of evaluation thing like that because they still suck but we'll see if he's actually worth the the juice is worth the squeeze if you will.
0: The Spurs, you gave them a D minus, I gave them a D. I will stick with the D. The one thing that we can add to this now is that they extended LaMarcus Aldridge for 26 million this year. You'll uh recall that I'm sorry, I misspoke. He had a player option for $22.3 million this year that he could have opted out of. Instead, he opted into that. They put $26 million for 2019-20 on the end of that, and then he has another year in 2021. That's the really confusing one when you try to truncate it. $24 million, but only $7 million guaranteed with a guarantee date of June 29th, 2020. The Aldridge extension, we didn't really care for it. We thought they were going to have all this flexibility in the summer of 2018 to builder on Kawhi well guess what Kawhi is not there anymore Aldridge played much better last year than I think anyone would have anticipated is getting into his mid-30s now so could regress uh, at any time I probably would stick with the same D but it's very hard to evaluate I mean they obviously signed patty mills and pago those were bad uh we were dinged them for losing john simmons think like, that was that was fine it's not the end of the world uh but I, I would just stick with the d but it's just hard to say you know how much of that off season had to do with Kawhi leaving maybe not much but also maybe he felt like hey we don't have any way to get better and that's part of why i want to leave
1: a couple other things i want to mention briefly rudy gay worked out better far better than i anticipated i mean he was healthier they needed more from him with Kawhi basically losing the entire season and they also you know you brought up jonathan simmons they lost dwayne deadman he signed a completely reasonable contract with the atlanta hawks i would have rather had deadman on his contract than paul gasol though obviously there were personal dynamics that were in there they retained manu on a reasonable contract surprise surprise patty mills that's rough i mean giving a clear backup point guard 12 million a year and it is interesting how that shifted based on what Santo San did part of the reason i was critical of the mill signing was that i thought they were basically trapped at point guard that they were going to have yeah. re-sign tony parker we recall that part of the
0: part of the reason for that was He had a small cap hold. Uh, i mean it's worth mm-hmm. noting this i mean it doesn't excuse it because they'd ended up signing these bad contracts but you know whether they're trying to get chris paul or someone else in free agency mills had a small cap hold that was the price of him returning was they had to overpay a little bit at that point and paul gasol presumably was offered something to opt out of his player option and maybe would have taken less if they could have gotten a big free agent but of course that did not happen but yeah i mean you know they signed those contracts they're on the books i mean it's part of the grid. but the, there was a reason for them
1: yeah and the other one we should mention is Derek white didn't play much last year he did have a pretty good summer league we'll talk about that later on josh hart was on the board this gets into the problem we were just talking about before so i don't put a lot of weight into that but yeah i i gave them a d minus i moved that up to a d it's just you know it's basically the same thing and obviously a big demerit for signing joffrey lord
0: who opted out of his player option that that signing actually looks a lot better now than it did then just because he opted out he's going back to europe
1: no, it parallels Blake Griffin. You, you make a bad decision. Do you give them the benefit for a guy making for a guy making the call to bail you out? And my answer is generally no.
0: The Jazz, I gave them a B initially. You gave them an A minus. My regrade is now an A-minus. I mean, they did lose Gordon Hayward. That wasn't necessarily within their control, at least at that time. Uh they also decided not to re-sign George Hill. That was a great move, although they had offered him a massive extension during the season. Joe Ingalls, four for fifty after there had been rumors of an even larger offer sheet coming from the magic that w- we thought was an overpay but he certainly was worth that contract at least in the first year hopefully will be this year may start to decline a little bit uh the only reason i gave him an a minus and said it just a straight a obviously that mitchell trade was brilliant and they got to the second round which is way further than anyone else thought they could was well, i thought that the pick of tony bradley is another one of these okay what's the point of this guy kind of trades uh especially given the fact that they you know there are other guys who are drafted right around there, uh but both by the Lakers that it could have been worthwhile. But yeah, Bradley, uh, you know, they moved up from thirty they moved up to go get him uh from thirty to twenty eight. I mean that really didn't seem to make a lot of sense to me.
1: Yeah, that part's not great. I'm still surprised you gave them a minus because they also did something that you generally really like, which is avoiding using their cap space on really bad long term contracts. They did give Joe ingles though his contract descends. So that makes it look a little bit better. And especially with the possibility that they spend in twenty nineteen that well, you know, so he's under twelve million at that point. So that's you know that's pretty good. Rubio for what ended up being number twenty. That's a, a reasonable trade. There was no rationale. I, I mean, Donovan Mitchell at that point ex- he he exceeded expectations by so much that it was there was no reason to, to believe that he would be able to take the reins that quickly. And so they needed somebody like Rubio, and Rubio was still very valuable for them even after Mitchell grew into a much better, uh, more much more complete player. But giving Tabo Drebko Ekpeyudu reasonable contracts that were all you know kind of fair value for that second year and so they ended up keeping two of the three and letting Drebko go I think that worked out really well for them and team-friendly deals and I mean they dodged a bullet with George Hill we didn't necessarily know that at the time but I mean Rubio is also you should mention he's making less money now than George Hill is is now with the Cleveland Cavaliers but then with the Sacramento Kings so that worked out reasonably well for them so for me it's a it's a straight a and for me this was a no hesitation straight a because even though it wasn't perfect you mentioned the Tony Bradley part of it within the constraints I I thought they did spectacularly
0: yeah maybe i'm being too harsh and i should just give him an a um but yeah i'll stick with the a man it's the bradley just because I mean, it's not the end of the world the bradley thing but it's just like i mean who knows maybe he'll be better right? i haven't had a chance to really dig into his film yet from summer league so maybe i'll be more impressed but i don't expect that to be the case uh all right we are done here wow that was a I i mean uh, do you, you realize last year we did all of these regrades in one podcast the entire league we must have just talked more this year
1: yeah like talking but i i I like the, the the substances i think the other thing that we've kind of gotten better understanding is just that we have a lot more real estate in the off season so we might as well use it to talk about things like this that people are interested in instead of some of the more hypothetical things and and the process of this and this is actually something i wanted to tease is that we got asked some good questions about the process of doing these regrades that we will talk about in our soon to be released patreon mailbag and so if you want to get kind of insights into things like that that are a part of the show that is another benefit that you get from patreon because we don't really go meta very often on this maybe at the end of the mock-off season a little bit but other than that if you want that kind of input in the sh- the inside into the show that is a great way to get it
0: all right that's a good one to end on patreon.com slash duncan larue to get that monthly mailbag podcast and we'll be back uh, later in the week with uh as yet to be determined content that's a great tease uh we'll talk to you all then